When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. The road to Dantanku is underway with several titles on the line. We will break down the first few nights of New Japan's return from New York. The Viking experience has run aground, but WWE still doesn't get the folly of their ways with their NXT call-ups. We will discuss that and some of their other questionable post-mania decisions, plus a few of the things they are actually doing right. CM Punk may be back, but what does his rumored surprise appearance mean for fans clamoring for his return? In honor of all the Punk speculation, we will look back at some of his matches from PWG and Ring of Honor in Super Kicking It Old School. And speaking of Ring of Honor, we address the recent hate of the promotion and why it seems off-base. Pipe bombs coming on this episode of Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, next. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on NJPW, AEW, ROH, PWG, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as usual, you know what I'm going to say, but my co-host, Paul. I did know you were going to say that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and so does everyone else, if they're long-time listeners. I would think they would. Yep, well, you're here. I'm here. Let's do a show. Sure. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> there's lots of wrestling to talk about. I think the most interesting thing, before we get into our plugs, is the CM Punk speculation. Yep, we're going to get to that in our second segment and uh, take a look back at uh, some of his time before WWE, before he walked away and uh, became an MMA guy and the most uh, buzzworthy non-participant in the wrestling scene that there probably has ever been. Yeah, because, I mean, even after years of not being around, people still chant his name. Mm -hmm. And he kind of elicits a i don't know a extreme reaction one way or the other some people miss him love him really really want to see him return with a passion while others kind of are getting sick of him and almost hate him they're just over him they're like yeah he complains too much he's got an attitude he's abandoned wrestling so there's two extremes there and i can kind of see the viewpoints of both so i totally understand either way but we're going to talk about his actual matches, not just the guy himself, and I can't wait to talk about that. But first, I want to remind people that they can find us on social media at TwoFacedPod, T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D. And you could also find me on social media, especially Twitter. I'm super active on there. I'm always tweeting out polls. Some of them are wrestling-related. The majority are. But also, sometimes others are kind of 90s Nickelodeon-related, 90s-related in general. I also have been doing non-wrestling-related shows called Either Or and also Kelsey Likes. Both of them are kind of some new ideas that I've had that I've been having a lot of fun with. One specifically, I just did 
called Either Or, and that was about me choosing between two of my favorite bands at both ends of the spectrum, choosing between NSYNC or Rush. Lots of people were kind of giving me some grief, saying, why is this even a question? It should be Rush. Well, more importantly, who is the brilliant mind that came up with that poll and told you that the voting would be close? I thought it would be a landslide for Rush, but if you guys check out the video at Super Kicking It, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T, that's on Periscope, or on my Twitter feed if you just go to my profile like I just said, or Super Kicking It with Kelsey, K-E-L-S-I, on YouTube, then you will see what the poll results actually were. Like Paul said, they weren't as far apart as I first believed. And yes, the idea was yours. I didn't know what to do. You thought NSYNC and Rush because... Well, different ends of the musical well, spectrum well, kind of thing. But also the whole premise of the show is you got to choose between two things you love. So I knew those are two things you love, and so it made for a good show. Yep, and- I just filmed it actually, so I'm wearing my NSYNC sweatshirt. <laughs> That's why I'm wearing this if you're watching on YouTube. Why is she wearing an NSYNC sweatshirt? Well, get out of here. Bye, bye, bye. I've referenced bye, bye, bye like a thousand <laughs> times tonight, but uh, I don't care if you don't like my sweatshirt. I like it. <laughs> um, so you can see all the ed on at Super Kick In It. And uh, remember, you can find us at twofacepod.com or at twofaced. Pod. At twofacepod, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, but now it's time to give our opinions on the latest wrestling shows, news, and developments. It's time for headlines. And we're going to start with the return of New Japan Wrestling after uh, a couple weeks off, uh, after the big G1 Supercard show at MSG. And we're on the road to Dantaku, and there have been three or four shows, I guess. Four, right? A couple 20, weeks 20th, off. 20th, 22nd, 23rd, and, and 24th, I think. It was like barely even a week off. <laughs> it's like I thought there was going to be an extended break after WrestleMania from WrestleMania until like mid-May. No. But nope, it's gearing up. And not only that, but we've got the best of Super Juniors on the horizon, too, which is going to be insane for our schedule trying to keep up with that. The participants that have been revealed, quite exciting. I'm kind of pumped up. Flip Gordon's going to be in it. Marty Skrull. Of course, your standard New Japan guys who are great juniors. We've mm-hmm. got Shingo. I think a lot of people are very excited about him being involved. People are projecting that he could win. Yeah. And we've also got, of course, Taiji Ishimori. Lots of others. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Of course, Kushida, absent. He'll be in NXT yep. very soon. But, uh, yeah, a lot of wrestling coming up uh, from the New Japan front. I think they said on one of the broadcasts that uh, May has shows on 16 of the 31 nights of May. Oh, how are we going to live? I love wrestling, but sometimes it's like so hard to just keep up with the massive amount that we have to watch. But it is enjoyable. And let's get to some of the shows that we did watch Yeah, already. we, we uh, didn't watch all of the matches, so, you know, truth be told, because there's just too much to watch. Uh, but, we, you know, we went through the key stuff. And I guess we should start before we even get into any of the actual title matches. The, the build... Uh, for Suzuki and Jushin Thunder Liger, that kind of culminated on the show on Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, uh, where they're, they're continuing that build. Yeah, I'm loving what I'm seeing. Suzuki just looks so cocky and mean, <laughs> and it's great. And of course, Jushin is the ultimate baby face. He's retiring soon when... We're going to have Wrestle Kingdom. That'll probably be his last time performing. And so people are really, really missing him, affectionate about him. And so 
the dichotomy between the two of them, good versus ultimate evil, is wonderful. <laughs> Can't wait to see that singles match. Yeah, and the, the, the show again from Wednesday morning, the 24th, uh, Suzuki upset with Liger as he leaves the ring and he's beating up the young lions and looking back and Liger is on the mic talking to him and uh, it's going to be a a good showdown between uh, two legends of New Japan. Definitely and apparently Jushin said you know leave New Japan (laughs) basically telling Suzuki to get out of here get out of here no don't ever leave Suzuki don't ever leave again because he was gone for a while but uh, luckily he came back at a perfect time, and he's really upped his performance in ring. He was always great, but he's just slimmed down, and I think he looks the best he's looked in years in terms of his physical look right now. He's just in shape, and he doesn't move like he's 50 years old. Nope. It's, it's really insane when you compare him to other people who are 50, especially other wrestlers who just their bodies are torn down. Suzuki's been smart with how he takes care of himself, I guess, but it's awesome, and I can't wait to see them match up. So, so he's not like me drinking beer and watching hockey till 1.30 in the morning? He <laughs> does drink beer is the thing. If you look at his Instagram, he's drinking beer, he's wearing crazy socks, not that that has any effect on his health or body, but uh, he is so much fun that's the thing he seems to live life to the fullest so i don't know how he finds time to keep in shape but he does (laughs) he does uh let's get to some of the title matches just a each show has one title match basically uh everything else has been six eight ten ten man tag matches uh juice robinson and our guy bad luck fale (laughs) who's now one of our favorites since he joined us after the g1 supercard show on our live podcast and uh what the hell do you guys want <laughs> that's not even a good impersonation but that's what he yeah, said yeah that was pretty terrible actually but <laughs> but it was funny as he sat down and said that but uh he gets a chance at the US uh, title and really uh kind of good selling good chance for Fale early on to show his dominance which I really liked uh slamming Juice down on the chairs and Juice really selling the back injury because remember they were selling the fact that Juice was going to body slam Fale. Yes, uh, and he he fell once where he lifted him and he fell backwards. Mm-hmm. That was an awesome touch right there. I think he did end up doing a quick little slam, yep. but it was very quick. And I liked it, though, and I think this is a huge win for Juice because people had been criticizing his run with the U.S. championship. But I think lately he's looked real good, he's performed well, and this is just another win that shows that he's elevating the title slowly but surely and i am a juice fan i don't care what anyone says b plus player or not i think he's an a player and i'm glad to see what he's doing right now and that was a good match i enjoyed it it was and uh yeah the uh, match did end with a hand of god a quick body slam and then pulp friction for juice as he retains now the match of uh the the first week of shows uh on the card when we saw it and and uh, obviously after we watched the match uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kota Ibushi. ZSJ. <laughs> of course, he did not win, no. unfortunately. I know lots of people love Ibushi, but I am a huge Zack Sabre Jr. fan right now, and I thought that match was really entertaining. Of course, it was an interesting mix of styles. You would think that Ibushi would have still done a lot of high flying, but you actually commented during the mm-hmm. match that it seemed like a lot less of high flying from Ibushi in this match. He kind of stayed on the mat with Zack Sabre Jr., which is surprising because you don't really want to allow Zack Sabre Jr. to kind of get at your limbs and stuff and to get you down on the ring. 
you know, at on the mat. So I don't know why he played it that way, but we did have one criticism of the match, though, too. We'll talk about it in a minute. But what do you think? Yeah, well, and it kind of goes along with what I was going to say here is that uh, Zack Sabre Jr., uh, dominated the match early and, and really got a lot of the moves in. Uh, there was a iconic-looking shot of uh, Ibushi's head caught in the railing as, as Zach was uh, attacking him. And I thought there were a couple of good sells. Uh, one, when Ibushi hit Zach Sabre in the, in the gut with a punch and, and, and ZSJ collapses to the ground, really selling the punch. Uh, great slap exchange at one point where Zach's legs were kind of all wobbly. Also, I really liked this comment on commentary. Zack Sabre Jr. being described as the master of the dark art of catch wrestling. <laughs> I like how they described it as a dark art, and that's really, really cool. And kind of is appropriate for Zack Sabre Jr. ever since he's joined Suzuki Gun, Kind of a darker persona. And it goes along with his wrestling style, I think, better than the baby face he was playing before. Like when you saw him in the Cruiserweight Classic in WWE slash NXT. He was kind of just like a British baby face guy just a normal guy who is great at submissions this gives him a character and i think gives him some flavor and matches like these are why zack saber jr is great not just character wise but wrestling wise we saw his submission expertise in play however it wasn't enough to beat flipping abushi but and uh, of course you know obviously i was happy that abushi won even though i like both these guys but uh, the criticism you alluded to a moment ago saber dominates the match and you thought, well, it made sense I said Ibushi won. You thought there should have been more. This is a pet peeve of mine, and you thought it too. Uh, it's just like Zack Sabre Jr. spends so much time dominating in the match, and the comeback part where Ibushi finally gets over on Zack Sabre Jr., that part's too fast for me. It's like, man... Abushi should be hurt more so than this, and it just to turn around so quick and beat Zack Sabre Jr. This is not the only match that this has happened, and I'm not being too nitpicky. It was still a great match. I just think the Abushi comeback, where he finally does overcome and beat Zack Sabre Jr., that part could have been a little longer. Or, if you're going to do it this way, where you want Abushi to kind of rally back quickly, have the Zack Sabre Jr. dominance be a little shorter. Mm -hmm. Either way, I just wish that part was more balanced. But I know that's kind of not an uncommon thing in wrestling. It's just a personal preference of mine where I kind of like the comeback to be a little longer. Well, and we're, we're setting the stage for Ibushi and, and Naito again. And I kind of feel like it's too quick for that rematch. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you. It's like, I want to see... Abushi challenged somebody else. And we did see him against Zack Sabre Jr., but we just saw him in that extended match against Naito at G1 Supercard, and it was great. And then we had the shorter match right. during the tournament, the New Japan Cup tournament. And so to me, it's like, again, the yeah. third time in like, what, a month and a half, two months? I, I, is Vince McMahon running New Japan? Is <laughs> I don't really have too many problems with New Japan's booking on the whole. It's just that you know, have a bushy face someone else. For a little while, yeah. yeah and, and then come back to Naito later. Yep, circle back to it. Uh, the other title that was on the line the first few days was the six-man tag. Uh, G.O.D. and Hikaleo going against Taguchi, Yanu, and Makabe. I loved Yanu's screaming in horror as uh, Hikaleo was chopping him and Tomatonga on the outside, like, pointing and laughing at Yanu yeah. as he was getting beaten up. Uh, Tomatonga is so awesome. 
on so many fronts. He just had another post uh, where he went off on Enzo Amore. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was just incredible. It was, like, the greatest promo ever. Like, calling him out so smugly, like, and calmly. That's the thing. Like, some people would record a promo, and it would be angry yelling. No. And the Briscoes kind of do that, but they actually, like Tomatonga, have a kind of cool cocky, mad-seeming confidence, if that makes sense. So Jay Briscoe could be yelling, but it doesn't really come off like it's screaming yelling. Same thing with Tomatonga. He's not screaming at all. He's not even resembling yelling. He's just kind of smooth-talking, but he's angry. And he's matter-of-factly yes. smug, I think. And matter-of-factly tearing down whoever he's cutting the promo on or cutting the video on in this case because it seemed like this was like a shoot. This was real to me. Yeah. Like, you're garbage. We don't want you, like, you well, know, destroying he, our business. And oh. he said something about, you know, some guys get knocked out by other fighters. You got knocked out by the bottom rope. You know? Oh, God. I didn't even catch that. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah, I don't so, even remember that so, line. Oh. So good stuff. Uh, circling back to the match, though, uh, Yanu... Makabe and uh, Taguchi end up holding on to the belts after Yanu hits Hikaleo with a chair. Taguchi gets his hip attack, and then Makabe with a lariat and a flying knee, and Yanu runs off with the belts again. <laughs> I love mischievous and mysterious Yanu. It's like my favorite, and he's really been doing that a lot lately. So I'm a big fan of Yanu, as you know. I have turned around in late 2018 into 2019 and become... Yanu fan somehow. I really like what they're doing with Tamatonga dragging the bag of belts. Mm -hmm. Like they said, the reverse Santa Claus. Yeah. That is so funny, where he's keeping all the toys for himself. He's keeping all the goodies mm -hmm. in his own possession. But of course, again, you know, that kind of got stolen. But also, one of the shows, it was great as uh, Tamatonga and his boys won, he grabs the bag and grabs the belt and like does this weird, like, heavy shuffling run and it was so hilarious <laughs> it was like he was trying to be funny and ridiculous the way he was running away right. from the ring running backstage with all the belts i guess kind of emphasizing how heavy they were he was shuffling and wobbling around it was wonderful made me laugh uh the other kind of moment that i i love this line and it's it's foul mouthed a little bit but uh goto and dragon lee were taking on uh jay white and ishimori and jay white says something to the effect of you know he's got a man I think he had Dragon Lee wrapped up and he's like, I don't even need my right hand. And then he uses his right hand to flip off the crowd. Oh yeah. And, uh, he says, F all of you. This is my ring. <laughs> <laughs> I love kind of how extreme he is. I think that's such a great part of his character. So I don't know. Not a lot of big, title matches in these shows but lots of story development and again we talk about new japan a lot and what we usually emphasize is their great storytelling and how they're so good at long-term booking so to me god that's one of the best parts of new japan so even these smaller road two shows you might think they're just throwaway, but there's a lot of built-in story and a lot of work into what's going to be happening on the bigger shows so nothing is really truly wasted like like the we talked about in the very beginning the build to suzuki liger that's been going on every show they've had a tag match and they've built into what's going to be a singles match. They've added layers to that story, to that feud. I love it. I love that New Japan does that so well. And I wish I could give credit because I can't remember who I saw the tweet from today, 
but the person on Twitter, if they're one of our listeners, will know it's their tweet, uh, said something about the fact that in New Japan, there are no squash matches, that even the the young lions get a chance to shine a little bit, you know, and so it makes all every match seem meaningful, and that's something New Japan does really well. Yeah, I love that about them. Again, like their tag matches don't even feel throwaway, like I said, because that's where the story's built in for the singles that are upcoming in the future, and nothing really feels wasted, truly. And that's a thing when you watch so much WWE where sometimes it feels like there's a lot of filler. That's why you appreciate the little moments in New Japan where it feels like nothing is filler. It feels like everything has even the smallest of purposes. And I know I'm kind of gushing on New Japan, but I really just love the promotion. I do too. I agree with you. And uh, plenty more to come on the road to Dontaku, and we'll have more about that next week. Uh, but we're going to switch gears now to a big NWA show taking place in joint in a joint production with Ring of Honor. It is the Crockett Cup taking place in uh, North Carolina this weekend. Uh, huge show. It's really important to note that it's actually an NWA show, mm-hmm. but NWA and Ring of Honor are partnered mm-hmm. together and working together quite a bit lately. Uh, also, and involved... Ring of Honor is carrying it on Honor Club. Yes. That's important to mention, too. Yes, because if you already are a member of Honor Club, you don't have to go and rent this. It'll be right there available for you to watch, which I think is great. But again, you could just rent it as a one-off if you don't have Honor Club, but I do suggest Honor Club because you could watch a lot of older matches and you could watch all the house shows, which I think is the reason to get Honor Club, period. And we'll talk about, we kind of tried to catch up on Masters of the Craft a little bit, but we'll get into that later. In terms of this NWA show, I love the partnership between NWA and Ring of Honor. And because of that partnership, they've also been able to tap into Ring of Honor's partnerships. So for the Crockett Cup, other promotions that are involved, CMLL and also New Japan Pro Wrestling, by providing tag teams to compete in the actual Crockett Cup tournament itself during the pay-per-view. So I think all those partnerships, very interesting and great. Great for NWA to kind of get on board with Ring of Honor. I think the part, the partnership has been mutually beneficial because, as we're going to talk about in a minute, I love the Aldis Skrull storyline. I think it's multi-layered and it's the title defense of the Ten Pounds of Gold that I'm most interested in since all the way back to All In. That's the last one I was this interested in. So, so now it's ramping up. I'm getting excited about this story because there's a story there to tell that's emotional, that has uh, just great stuff in it, great layers. Like Marty and Aldis, they've got a history, and mm-hmm. it's a real history about being friends, and they've woven that so well into the actual match, the feud. Uh, it's been so well done. No, that 10 pounds of gold was really uh, entertaining to watch and seeing all the old pictures and that young kind of normal looking Marty Skrull, uh, great stuff. And you, I mean, you could tell from the video package and we both strongly recommend you watch it cause it's really good. Yeah. And what you're referencing is, is NWA 10 pounds of gold episode 52, uh, scroll versus Aldis. It's kind of building up to the match for the Crockett cup. And, and, uh, they uh, they they really kind of show the mutual respect and the build up, and uh, there's some good sound bites in there from Billy Corrigan talking about uh, about the build up to this match, and so I, I think it is going to be really entertaining and a really good match. I think I don't know. I'm really pumped up about it. As I said, it's it's the NWA title match that I'm most looking forward to since the Cody Aldis match, which everyone remembers as such a big deal, and mm-hmm. it was. It had a lot of emotion that was true and real, and it had an elect- 
electric feeling, I think, in the room, in the building, in the story itself. I think this has somewhat of an electricity that's similar to that and. I just really like it. I think whenever you're playing around with stuff that ties into real life, I think that adds to whatever match is taking place. NWA National Championship has Willie Mack going in against Colt Cabana. Can't wait for that. We we love Willie Mack. Uh, we don't get to see a lot of him, uh, especially since we don't watch Impact like we used to anymore. But uh, he's fantastic. And, of course, you love Colt. And this is not the last time we're going to talk about Colt in this show either. Nope, we'll be talking about Colt and CM Punk together because whether they're working together or against each other or friends or enemies, <laughs> they have a very long history together. Uh, NWA Women's Championship, I know you wanted to talk about this because Jazz had to vacate it. Yeah, she hasn't said specifically what's wrong, but she did tweet out saying she has to give up her title and it's due to medical reasons and personal reasons. And I just hope everything's okay because she's one of my favorite women's wrestlers. I think she's incredibly talented and really dominant and scary in a good way mm-hmm. where it's believable. And she just seems like uh, a badass. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a more PG way to say it, but that's what she seems like. So to see her not involved in the... Crockett Cup. I'm, I'm a little bummed that she's not going to be at the pay-per-view, but it's still going to be a great women's match, and it should still be pretty good. It's going to be Allison Kay versus Santana Garrett, so that should be good. I'm not really f- that familiar with either woman. I, I am vaguely familiar with both, but not in-depth on either, so it's it'll be good to see more of them for me personally, because I really don't know much. And of course, the name of this show is based on the legendary tournament, the Crockett Cup, and that's... Uh going on with several tag teams, like you mentioned, from different promotions. Of course, my boys are in it. <laughs> yeah, but I had to laugh when I saw Rock and Roll Express. I thought it was a typo at first. I'm like, what? The Rock and Roll Express? Yeah, they've been wrestling. They're <laughs> really still pretty good. Yeah, it's amazing. They're both pushing 60, and uh, they're going to take on the Briscoes in the first round. Uh, the other tag teams from Ring of Honor, PCO and Brody King, will go against Kojuma and Nagata. Flip Gordon and Bandito going against Stuka Jr. and Guerrera Maya Jr. from CMLL. Then Crimson and Jack Dane, also known as the War Kings from NWA, will take on the winner of the Wild Card Battle Royal. So I'll put you on the spot. Who's winning the Crockett Cup? I wish. I wish it was the Briscoes. I'm just going to guess the Briscoes. I don't know. Um, uh, it could be PCO and Brody King, but uh, I don't know. Um... I'm going to go with the Briscoes just because that's my wish, I suppose. I think that's unlikely in a way because I think I'm, I'm really thinking it's going to be Crimson, of course, uh, and Dane because they're affiliated with the NWA as a brand. Yeah, I, I would want the Briscoes to win, but they're not my official pick to actually win. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I would go with uh, Dane and Crimson. If you're going to go off the map a little bit, maybe uh, Flip Gordon and Bandito. That would be incredible. Bandito, we've been talking a lot about him, one of our favorites right now, and rightfully so. His athleticism is just through the roof, insane. The guy is going to have the greatest 2019. He's already off to a great start. All right, let's switch our attention now to WWE. And uh, before we do, we'll remind you we're going to have more Ring of Honor talk in the second block uh, in regards to uh, kind of the hate about Ring of Honor, and we'll get to that. And also with CM Punk talk, we'll talk about Ring of Honor too. 
Meanwhile, we switch to WWE, and there's certainly some things to hate on about WWE right now. So last week on this show, we made fun of the fact that the War Raiders had become the Viking experience. Well, the Viking experience has uh, crashed into a, a rock, and now they are the Viking Raiders. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. All these name changes. People were like, well, it's better than the Viking experience. I'm still hating it. I, I, I know our friend Dave. He's like, but you can at least chant Raiders. <laughs> but we tried to chant Raiders the other day. I don't like it. Raiders. Raiders. <laughs> I don't like it at no. all. Not a good ring. And actually, if you guys are 90s Nickelodeon fans, I did a kind of reference to the Adventures of Pete and Pete, I tweeted out on my Twitter account at SuperKickingIt. It's probably because I'm a huge 90s Nickelodeon fan and I'm on a huge 90s Nick kick lately, but I can't help but think of this gif when I think of both new names for the War Raiders. And I posted a gif of Artie, the strongest man in the world. He's basically talking to Little Pete and he always calls Little Pete uh, his little Viking. So in this particular gif, he's saying, snappy name, my little Viking. So I, I go on in the tweet and I say, I wouldn't call either name change snappy, but farewell, my little Viking experience. Hello, Viking Raiders. And uh, I actually, that's a spoof of a Adventures of Pete and Pete episode title, actually. It's called Farewell, My Little Viking. And I just added experience to kind of spoof the episode title because... Uh, the Viking experience is ridiculous. Well, and the name is terrible. And look, I, I jotted down as as they were going on. Uh, Michael Cole said last week's debut had the WWE universe talking in many, in more ways than one. So he acknowledged kind of backhandedly the hatred that people like us had for the Viking experience. And it was funny over the course of the match, Cole and Graves kept stumbling over the names like, like, they almost called them the wrong names. Yeah. And, like, it's just clunky. It's clunky. And then on top of that, the Viking experience technically isn't dead because apparently that's one of their finishing moves now is the Viking experience. <sighs> So last week you said people were talking about it. Michael Cole said people were talking about it in more ways than one. Yeah, we were talking about it. I was using the word loathe. I never use that word that often. I mean, I have used it, but loathe. I loathe that name. It's. I mean, I I, I keep reading some things. You don't know what's true, but Vince supposedly really is – is creating chaos backstage. And, you know, it depends on who you believe. There's been quotes attributed to Dave Meltzer. Um, I, I don't know. It just seems like chaos right now and a lot of bad decisions with the talent. And one of those, to me, is the decision to split Ricochet and Aleister Black. Now, when we talked about them as a tag team, we thought it was a little weird they were a tag team because they, you know, had different personalities. But now they're so over... And they split them up. Yeah, just as they were gaining, like, insane momentum, right. they would kept winning everywhere they performed because they were performing on multiple brands. Right. They were wrestling more than anybody out of every brand because they were on every single show. And to take that all away and to kind of throw it away after you built it up, it's kind of a waste of time. It's silly, really. But, you know, Alistair moved back because essentially Almas and Zelina Vega moved back and Zelina and 
Alistair Black are actually married right. in real life. So I guess keeping the married couple together, which I think is right for the wrestlers because you already have a hard enough job. Don't split up couples, man. Well, but you're glossing over yet another one of the chaos. Andrade went to Raw on the Superstar Shakeup. And then they sent him back to SmackDown. <laughs> it's so odd. There's rumors on why, and I really don't know what is the truth, but WWE, get it together, man. Why even have the Superstar Shake-Up if you're just going to reverse what you just did in the Shake-Up itself? And then uh, one of the matches that uh, you know kind of just infuriated me, too, was uh, Cesaro is now on Raw, and he went against Cedric Alexander, who's on Raw. And look, Cedric Alexander deserved the promotion from 205 Live, but... I think he's just going to get lost in the shuffle. There was very little pop for him. And so I wrote down this line as I was watching the, the match. Cesaro versus Cedric, a singles guy that they wasted against one that they will. <laughs> and that's how I felt. Cesaro, as a singles guy, they have wasted. He's not... Oh, yeah, yeah. He, obviously, he was great as a tag team with Sheamus, but they've wasted him as a, as a singles talent, and I'm predicting they're going to waste Cedric Alexander as a singles talent. Yeah, I think I'm worried about Cedric. I don't think he'll be featured very prominently, and Cesaro never was as a singles guy featured very prominently, except for a few short bursts of time, to which he really, I thought, was great, but he was doing great with the bar, but I don't know if he'll ever get back to that singles kind of push that he could have easily had had they done it the right way. One more criticism of WWE, and then we'll go to a few of the positives from the week. There are positives, yeah. The, the the use of Becky Lynch, are they overusing Becky now? They're talking about in the pay-per-view she's going to wrestle twice, which I get it's kind of a neat gimmick that she's going to defend each belt in the pay-per-view. But are they over-relying on, on this popularity of Becky Lynch? You know me, as a non-Becky <laughs> well, fan, will say yes, but I'm biased. I will say I, I really love Charlotte and Bailey. Talk about their match Let's switch to the positives. They might be overusing Becky, but let's talk about the match quality and the great wrestlers that are around right now. Those are some of the positives. Becky versus Charlotte. Yeah, Becky. I mean, uh, uh, Bailey, Bailey versus, versus Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah, which I thought they, they could have, uh, instead of having Becky wrestle twice at the pay-per-view, they could have saved Bailey and Charlotte for the pay-per-view, but they had a really good match on SmackDown. You see why they are two of the best female wrestlers on the roster. And then on Raw, you had AJ versus Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio. And that was a match that was awesome as well with three of your best male talents in the business. So kind of going off what you said there, let these really good wrestlers wrestle and put on a show. That's what we want to see is the wrestling. We don't need the backstage stupid interviews that are clunky. I hate those so much. You know, I hate those so much. Let's just let the guys and the girls wrestle. Let, let them show what they can do. I uh, loved that match with Samojo and AJ. And uh, who was the third person? Mysterio. Ray Mysterio. It yeah. was great. It was my favorite match of all of Raw because mm -hmm. it's like they let them do what they do best. Right. They le just let them go. That's what it felt like. It really did. And you were actually saying, how could the other triple threat live up to the first one at right. all? Why did they put all the best guys in one match? But actually, the other triple threat yeah, was, was good, good too. Yeah. It was really decent quality for sure. I mean, I'm not as excited about the guys who were in it. I love Miz. It sucks that he ate the pin. Of course he he did. I, I knew he would. I <laughs> right. even said, like, I don't want Miz to eat the pin, but I, in the back of my head, I knew he would. But, yeah, Corbin getting some 
heel heat by winning and blah. And then he goes on to lose to AJ Styles, so now AJ Styles will take on Seth Rollins at that Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which will be a great match. Do you think it's too soon? I do. For Seth Rollins and AJ? I do. I, I would have liked... could have held it off. I would have liked to have seen Seth Rollins go against somebody else, because while everybody wants to see Seth and AJ... I think it should have been something they built up and should be a SummerSlam main event. It should not be the main. And they may go again at SummerSlam. In fact, I'll go on the record right now and say they probably will since, you know, it, it, in the traditional WWE best of three, that'll be the, the third match and it'll be an Iron Man match or something. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's too soon. I think you could add Seth Rollins going against somebody not Corbin, but... Well, I mean, even Corbin would have been fine where you know Seth is going to defend the title, you know, but you give somebody a chance at a main event at, at a pay-per-view. I would have been more okay with that than rushing right into the Seth AJ because, you, you know, you, you have a couple weeks till that pay-per-view, but you really could have built that up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's a dream match, and just to go to it right away, it's kind of like, to me, they should have just saved it a little bit. I agree, I agree. Because now you've got, like... Nowhere else to go but down from there. (laughs) Not down. I mean, there's a lot of amazing wrestlers, but you're going to the top of the mountain right there. Right. It's just hard to compete after that. Yep, I agree. Uh, And then one last nugget. I know it's something you wanted to talk about, the return of Bray Wyatt and uh, his creepy kid show host demeanor, uh, which you had some thoughts on. Well, I'm not the only person to make this comparison. I really see a lot of similarities between this Firefly Funhouse to Pee-wee's Playhouse, but also kind of like Blue's Clues. And I've seen other people tweet this too, so I'm not trying to say that I'm coming up with this comparison. I'm seeing these similarities myself with no other influence. (laughs) But I am a huge Pee-wee's Playhouse fan, so I did see the resemblance right away when I watched it. In tone, in style... In the look of the house he was in, or mm-hmm. the fun house, whatever. So he, he comes in the door, and there's a window with some clouds rolling back. That, to me, already was like, okay, this is like Pee-wee's front door. There's, like, the window on that same side, the clouds, the, the, even, like, some flower-looking stuff. He he introduced, like, that creepy doll character. And then the buzzard, which is literally just like Jombie, the genie, <laughs> right. that Pee-wee asks for wish- wishes. He was even on a bo- like in a box on a table, mm-hmm. just like Jombie would be. And he popped out of the box just like Jombie would throw open his little genie doors and be like, wish? Did somebody say wish? <laughs> Mecca like a high, make a hiney ho. <laughs> That's unrelated, but I love Pee-wee so much. I'm a huge fan, and that'll be a future Kelsey Likes for sure, because... I could talk about Pee-wee forever. There's actually a lot of interesting behind-the-scenes stuff on Pee-wee. But back to the Bray Wyatt thing, not only did it remind me of Pee-wee's Playhouse, but also Blue's Clues, especially with, like, uh, the audience sound. Like, it had little kids, like, booing, cheering, clapping. That is so and much kind like... of awkwardly placed, like, it, yes. like he'd keep talking and it was still going kind of thing. That reminded me a lot of Blue's Clues and also that he was talking directly to the camera. Pee-wee did that, too, in Pee-wee's Playhouse, but it was very prominent with Blue's Clues. And also, the background of the fun house, the Firefly Flun House. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> the Firefly... Nope. Oh, my God. Oh, for two. <laughs> the Firefly Fun House. The go. background of the actual house was just plain blue. Reminds me a little, again, of Blue's Clues, which kind of had just like a plain-looking house. It was more about the characters 
in the actual Blue's Clues house itself that were more interesting than the background itself. So um, all of those things remind me of this new Bray Wyatt gimmick, and I kind of like it. It is odd. It's like, I hope they don't run out of things to do, but what do you think? Well, I hope they run with it for a month even, you know, uh, every week do a different thing. And again, something I read that, uh, again, you take it with a grain of salt that Bray's got Vince's blessing on this, that Vince actually likes this gimmick. So hopefully he lets Bray run with it. Hopefully he doesn't interfere and, uh, let's Bray Cause look, Bray is really creative and, and can come up with some goofy, you know, sinister, goofy stuff. So I liked how he looked with that chainsaw. Like he looked menacing as hell uh-huh. and also just creepy and weird. And it played together so well to be a very creepy, eerie vibe. Well, I liked it. Well, and how much, I mean, we know they're brothers, but how much did he look like Bo Dallas too? The way it, with his hair slicked back and all that. I didn't even think of that. Oh but as God. soon as you just mentioned it, you're right with his hair back like that. Yeah. He did look just like Bo Dallas. Like I didn't even think of it at the time, but of course he did. It's because I haven't seen Bo in forever. Right. But uh, now that you say it, yes, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that. So there you go, and and you know there there I've read that uh, the old Bray Wyatt isn't completely gone yet, so. Maybe uh, Bo Dallas will play Bray Wyatt and they'll fight each other. (laughs) Or maybe we'll see kind of like a dual personality where he'll slip back into his old persona. Like almost like they'll do some kind of camera cutaway because this is a pre-done package anyway. So you'll see him in his old outfit and then I'll be like, no, no. And then he'll almost like maybe magically poof into his new gimmick outfit or something. I could see that happening. And, uh... I think you saw little notes of how the old Bray wasn't gone. Him saying, like, if it tries to come back, I have this reminder to not have that bad man ever come back. <laughs> but to me, that's a tease right there that yeah, it will come back. Absolutely. He's going to fight the demons. And uh, So, again, we start out with uh, some criticisms of WWE, but there are certainly some things they are doing right. Just wish uh, in the span of five hours of television we'd see more of the things they're doing right than the things they aren't doing right. But when we come back, we return to Ring of Honor to discuss the harsh criticism of the promotion. Plus, with CM Punk's supposed surprise appearance in Wisconsin that sent shockwaves through the business, we'll talk about that and what it could mean. Plus, we look at a few of his matches from PWG and Ring of Honor in Super Kicking It Old School. St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or a smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Our Two-Faced Wrestling Talk logo was inspired by Two-Face, the Batman animated series character, and his coin. The logo was designed by the talented and creative artist Eric Hudson. Eric creates wrestling-themed pieces as well as other pop culture art. He is also currently working on a Roddy Piper comic book. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreaded Dinosaur. You can also support his work by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dreaded dinosaur. Please check out his work. And now back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. So the news that sent shockwaves through wrestling this week was uh, the supposed appearance of CM Punk at an MKE wrestling event in Wisconsin. Uh, 
Silas Young confirms it's him. People have done their detective work that the guy is wearing a hoodie. It's CM Punk took a picture the day before in the same hoodie and all that. I'm just going to say it was CM Punk. (laughs) I'm I'm just going to say it was him. If it wasn't, it wasn't. But here's my thing that I find weird about this. If it was CM Punk and he was doing it for a promotion that he came up with, why the secrecy? I, I get the secrecy going into the match because mm-hmm. you want it to be a surprise. But once he's there, why wrestle in a in a hood? Why not really give the fans a thrill like, oh, my God, it's CM Punk? Why, why do you think that would be that he did that? Because Punk is weird <laughs> well, about wrestling now. True. I don't think he wanted people to think he was going to return, but at the same time, I thought if it really was him, and even if it wasn't him, that he wanted speculation. I mean, I probably, he probably thought that was fun, to fool around and mm-hmm. speculate, have That's... people speculating about it and stuff, and um, I don't know. I think he wouldn't want people thinking he was coming back to wrestling full-time, and if he was in his full gear with his face revealed, rumors would be going rampant about AEW and... Him returning full time, etc. <laughs> well, those are going to happen regardless. I just, I don't know. I just think he could have really got, give given this little promotion that obviously he holds as a special place. Could have really given them a bump if his face shows up and all of a sudden people are tweeting about this wrestling promotion. You know what I mean? I think it really could have taken off and really could have been a nice thing to do for the promotion. Uh, but. You mentioned it. Does it mean anything? Does it mean he's going to come back? Does it mean he just wanted to have a little fun? What do you think? I was so convinced before All In that he would appear. I was like, he's friends with the Bucks. He's actually on good terms with them. I mean, how many people are on good terms with CM Punk? Not many, from what I hear across the wrestling world. But Bucks really get along with everybody. So I was convinced. I was like, yes, if he's going to show up anywhere, it's for the Bucks at All In. I'm not saying it's impossible because he could still decide to help out and maybe appear at Double or Nothing, but at the same time, you've got Jericho and Cody saying they don't want to bloat the roster with ex-WWE talent. I know that they would make an exception for Punk, so yeah, that's kind I of irrelevant. So. But uh, I still I don't know if Punk would go that direction. I don't know if he truly would even want to touch wrestling again. However, what is different between now and All In is that there's been more time after that court hearing. Mm -hmm. More time has elapsed. Maybe the wounds of wrestling aren't as harsh, because I'm sure that just left a bitter taste in his mouth. But, you know, some people, they're just overpunk, and they're like, we don't even care if he comes back. He's just kind of miserable. (laughs) But I like punk, his wrestling. I really like his character more than his actual wrestling. That's kind of what I like most about him is his mic skills and his... uh, his cursing, and his <laughs> smarmy attitude, cocky attitude. We talk about a lot of wrestlers who have a cocky attitude that, who, that we like, but Punk's just another one that is really good at that, but also good on the mic. So you put those two together, and you've got the recipe for a wonderful wrestler, and that that's what he is. But again, I don't think this necessarily means a full-time return. I just think it's something fun. I, I certainly think he could, if he was interested in it, make some serious money. Just from some appearances, if he wanted to. To me, I think it's a no-brainer. He should financially take this opportunity and go back to wrestling because people would freak out. He'd make a ton of money. Yep. But I don't sell, know if he sell cares. Sell a ton of merch. And, yeah. 
I just don't know if he cares about money that much. But the thing, the thing is, even if you throw away the money, even if that's not important to you, there's so much going on in the non-WWE scene right now. You can make a huge difference outside of WWE. And if you hate WWE, right, he could really you stick can it to them. <laughs> stick it to them and be part of the blow against them mm-hmm. by participating. I'm not just talking about AEW. I'm talking about any company. If right. he joined Ring of Honor because he's got a history there, that would be wonderful for Ring of Honor and wonderful for the non-WWE scene and for other wrestling. And I think that would just send shockwaves throughout the wrestling world. So even if money wasn't a factor, it's the best time to be involved in wrestling outside of WWE because you have a chance to make it. It's a great environment in terms of you've got some good talent out there. WWE has a stacked roster, but they don't have everybody. There's still a lot of great people out there, and that's what I love about the scene right now. Well, he obviously uh, really made a huge name for himself in WWE, but that's not where he uh, first got on people's radars, and so... We decided to look back at a couple of his matches from PWG and a couple from Ring of Honor, and it's part of our Super Kicking It Old School segment. Yep, so let's kind of go into the PWG first. So this is our PWG Rewind segment, which will be kind of underneath the Super Kicking It Old School. Back in my day, video stores told you to be kind, rewind. Well, we're taking their advice. We're kind, and we're rewinding by taking a look back at PWG through the years. It's time for PWG Rewind. So it's a layer under a layer. Under a layer. So it's a PWG Rewind under Super Kicking and Old School as part of our extended discussion as part of Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. Yes. On Wrestling Inc. On the internet. On (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, let's start with a singles match we watched it was uh, he, him against Super Dragon, and even before you get to him, you notice the old PWG, and we talked about this before. When we Kevin Owens, yeah. yeah. But uh, in the old high school gym with the basketball basket in the background, yes. no uh, play-by-play, which is weird not to hear Excalibur's voice on PWG, uh, bizarre camera angles where the camera guy the one kid camera guy is standing on the ring apron the whole match which i've never ever seen and they're not going to the wide shot that much so there's this one part where super dragons like on the outside punks in the ring and the camera that they leave on is the kid's camera and he's literally going between the two of them like moving the camera to super dragon then moving distractedly to cm punk and moving back to super dragon so why not just take the wide angle i don't know what they were doing by leaving that shot up in the dvd version they could have easily just placed in the wide angle version unless it was cut live which we know it wasn't because there was no cable to connect the camera to like a control room plus it was kind of like a gym. I don't think they were running an operation no, back there. No, clearly not. But uh, CM Punk, ironically, because we said the same thing about Kevin Owens slash Kevin Steen when he was in that gym, had some great lines interacting not only with the crowd, but with Super Dragon. At one point, Super Dragon's using the ropes to hold himself up, and... CM Punk says, you need the ropes, you fat old lady. Yo, God, there are so many good insults by Punk in this match. That was some of the highlights for me. And, of course, Super Dragon is like a PWG legend, so to see the two of them square off I think was kind of special, and I found it really entertaining. I do want to say that we saw this match from the DVD. PWG sells out 
the best of Pro Wrestling Gorilla Volume 1, and actually on the disc cover, on the DVD cover, you've got a picture, and it's it's kind of drawn. It looks really good, yeah. actually. It's comic book style. Mm-hmm. It's Super Dragon and CM Punk, and you're not going to be able to see it this far away, but it is beautiful. I would okay. say Google it to see it. CM Punk is right there. And, and you can see dragon. his tattoos. It's very comic book-like. And also CM Punk is on the back of the DVD cover as well. So, yeah, that's kind of like where you can find it. You could easily buy it on High Spots and uh, and also on Pro Wrestling Gorilla, of course. And that's where I got it. And it is a good match. I really liked it. More insults. I know we wrote down a few. Um, we'll just kind <laughs> of omit some of the cursing a little bit. Punk throws Super Dragon over his head. Oh, you fat mother effer. Because, like, basically he had to kind of toss him and work against his body weight. Basically, the fat thing was a running joke for CM Punk in this one match. He, uh, it was kind of, uh, not funny, but he did have a kind of one miscue where he tried to do a springboard off the ropes and, and messed it up and Super Dragon kind of saved the move. But it was, uh, it was interesting to see CM Punk kind of in his early roots. It was, and actually Super Dragon clapped when he messed up. Oh, that's up. right. Yeah, he was like, and then the, the crowd, you know, of course, gave it to Punk. You thought it might have been on purpose, but I kept watching it. It looked like it was an accident, and I, I can't really tell. I mean, it could have easily, like you said, been a form of selling to where, oh, he's, you know, so messed up he can't, like, springboard. But right. I think it was an accident. Um, another good part is, you know, Punk was standing on top of Super Dragon pretending to surf. Crowd starts chanting, overkill, <laughs> overkill, because I guess... Punk was just playing it up too much, and I I just liked the match a lot. And I mean, should we give away the winner? Sure. So Super Dragger, Super Dragger, Super Dragon won, and I hope it's not spoiling it for too many people. This is from 2004, specifically July 10th, 2004, and again, it's on the PWG Sells Out Volume One. Okay, and then the next one we went to was a six-man tag from December 13th. 2003, it was Colt Cabana, Adam Pierce, and Super Dragon versus CM Punk, uh, Kazarian, and Joey Ryan. And boy, did everybody look different in this Kazarian. I would, I don't know if I would have recognized him. Who'd you compare him to? Uh, did I write Oh, that? Razor Ramon. Oh, yeah, that's right. You that's said right. He, he did kind of like look like Razor, Razor Ramon. Yeah. yeah. Skinnier, less muscular, but yes, I could see that because it's so weird to see him with hair. And again, this is nothing new if you watch old school promotions. It's not just PWG that these people were appearing in at this time. Right. This took place in 2003, but seeing them after being so used to what they look like right now and just going back, it's like a stark difference, oh. and it's almost distracting. Joey Ryan, too. Joey Ryan, basically, you could summarize this match with a uh, lack of body hair of Joey Ryan. <laughs> right. To me, that's all I thought about the whole match. No mustache, no chest hair, and no longer hair. He had, like, this short, weird haircut, and it was very odd. But fun match, you know, just a, a tag match. Well, Lots of great interactions between the, t- the guys involved, and a lot of great guys involved in general. Well, and I thought the funniest part about this match, after we just talked about... CM Punk's language in the other match was him getting on Adam Pierce for using bad language. I thought that language. (laughs) I thought that was funny stuff. So a couple of the matches, there's uh, more CM Punk uh, on those on those DVDs, and certainly worth checking out. The best of PWG uh, with CM Punk. 
again, that one came from PWG Sells Out Volume 2. So each match came from a different uh, set, Volume 1, Volume 2, PWG Sells Out. And uh, again, there's way more than just punk matches on these oh, DVDs. Yeah. I mean, so many good matches. There's Samoa Joe's featured on these, AJ Styles, like we already said, Punk, Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan, as you know him now. Just so many great names, and I would highly suggest you check them out. And I can't wait, I'm sorry, I can't wait to watch more of these matches. Right, I agree. Oh, I did like uh, one of the moves in this match. Punk uh, steps off and kind of vaults off Pierce's head to punch Super Dragon and hits a brain buster on Pierce. Kind of a cool sequence with... uh, CM Punk. So there's a couple from PWG. Now we decided to uh, look back at Ring of Honor. We were going to go off a a Best of Ring of Honor DVD, but the matches didn't just jump out at us. So we went on YouTube and looked a few up. And if you look up his history in Ring of Honor, it's highlighted by a trilogy against Samoa Joe. Yeah, that's what everyone loves. That's what everyone's talked about when they refer to Punk in ROH. And rightfully so. It's a great trilogy. And some people compare it to the Okada Omega trilogy in terms of importance for wrestling. Definitely, this trilogy is important for Ring of Honor. A lot of people consider this time period, about 2004, the golden age of Ring of Honor. So again, we're kind of in the same period of time as the PWG matches. But um, I really love both of these matches. First, I think, besides... I mean, do you want to go through the trilogy first? I think so. I think so. Yeah, because that's chronological order. Yeah. So again, this happened in 2004, and the match of the trilogy that we're reviewing is Punk versus Joe 2. So the second match of their trilogy, and it's part of the show called Punk versus Joe 2. <laughs> and the reason this match was such a big deal was because they had already faced once before, not long before this match... And it went to a 60-minute draw. And so the second one, you know, people thought there would be a definitive winner. Alas, it goes again to a draw. And I think that's kind of unique if you compare it to other trilogies like Omega Okada. Only one of those was a draw. Two in a row of the Joe Punk matches were a draw? That's so unique in booking, in my opinion. And then the third had a definitive winner, and it was much shorter. I would suggest checking out all three. People did kind of seem to like Omega Okada more when I was reading this Reddit thread where it kind of said, if you've seen both sets of trilogies, which would you say is better, Omega Okada trilogy or Joe Punk? And lots of people said, wrestling-wise, Omega Okada. But, I mean, story-wise, there's a lot in the story of Punk Joe. And so this 2004 Punk versus Joe 2 match is just incredible. And not only is the wrestling good, I think the crowd plays just as big of a part as anything else, as the actual wrestling. Because it's in Chicago, Punk's hometown, Mm -hmm. they're on fire, they're excited the whole time, but they also start chanting for Joe at certain points in the match. Not as much as Punk, but there are some really loud Joe chants multiple times during the whole time, the whole 60 minutes. And I think... That just shows you how much they respect both guys. Well, and Samoa Joe was kind of the dominant guy in Ring of Honor, and 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 CM Punk's trying to get over. Uh, what struck me in this match and watching it was the fact that I wouldn't say there was a signature moment that jumped out to me, like, oh, my God, that moment or that moment. I just remember thinking, this is 60 minutes of two awesome wrestlers who are really good at their craft. 
really good at their craft, and let's talk about the roster at this time. This is why people think of it as the golden age. You even had a young Jay Lethal sitting at ringside he observing. Was, he was Samoa Joe's protege. Yes, that's yeah. what they said on commentary, and I think that's so neat to look back. Jay Lethal's still there. So I think things in Ring of Honor have changed. You know, people leave, people also arrive so you've got people coming and going but what stays the same is the quality of wrestling and that the roster contains great wrestlers no matter who yes you might lose a few great ones but you gain some too and that's what we're going to talk about in a little while and right. i can't wait to delve into that but about this match specifically something else that's great is if we fast forward to the ending joe is champion and so CM Punk was trying to win the championship belt right. from Joe. So at the very end, they're both kind of laid out flat on the ring, and Punk kind of scurries and gets to Joe's belt before Joe can. And he holds it, and you don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to fight, or what are they going to do? Joe and Punk kind of get face-to-face in the middle of the ring. Uh, it, Joe kind of motions towards Punk. Punk pushes Joe, but then there's a look of respect, and Punk hands Joe the title. So there's respect there. Punk basically was like, oh, you, you deserve this. Here's the title. Mutual respect there. Even though he didn't win, he really, really just had respect for Joe for going toe-to-toe with him for 60 minutes. I mean, not many people can do that together. Well, and you wrote down a couple of things that stood out from the match itself as far as moves when you talk about a couple of those. Like, th- there's a great point where Joe has... Punk in his submission. The crowd just goes wild as Punk finally gets to the ropes, puts his foot on the rope to break up the submission. I I really like that part because it just shows you how invested the crowd was in the match itself and who would win. And There's a lot of near falls where the crowd just Mm -hmm. was buying into it, and that's what I think makes a great match when you just believe that it's about to end, but then it doesn't. And so many kind of near submissions where the guys would just barely get to the ropes. And, you know, you see that in wrestling a lot, but... It, you know, I think you see it sometimes where the guy that's putting on the submission move helps the guy to the ropes. Where this just felt like, for example, CM Punk just fighting with all he could just to get a toe on the rope kind of thing. Yeah. I thought that was cool little touches. Another cool little touch that kind of shows you that they were both spent giving it their all. There's a double clothesline, and this Mm -hmm. is masterful storytelling. Double clothesline, and they both are just laying flat in the middle of the ring like they can't get up. Todd Sinclair, who was still there at this time. Yeah, which we had mentioned, yeah. He had like a mustache, too, so he looked kind of different. Not as long hair as he has now. So Todd was there, and he begins his count. So both men are basically down to nine. And Punk gets up first, but slowly. Mm -hmm. I just like the touch, and then the crowd goes wild, you know. It just shows you that they're giving it their all, and that's something that they laid into the match. Very good storytelling, just showing you kind of the intensity of the match itself. Another great moment was, you know, Punk is at the top of the turnbuckle. He looks like he's going to basically slam Joe off the top, but no, Joe gets out of it, and they kind of trade the uh who has the upper hand a right. few times you think that joe's gonna do something to punk punk's gonna do something to joe it goes back and forth finally uh punk forearms joe kind of trying to get out of it again but then joe finally lands that superplex one punk and both men are down again kind of similar to the double clothesline but in this case joe gets up first i kind of like that it's mirrored but with a different person getting up first i, I like that a lot but finally two end the match, 
Joe slams Punk off the top rope, but time is just elapsing. In fact, they're counting down the time as he slams Punk. He doesn't even really get a cover on Punk as no. it goes to zero. No, it wasn't your typical, he's covering him, and as as the ref hits two, the time expires or any of those. So That's the thing. Like It didn't feel like Joe necessarily had the upper hand because he wasn't even in the middle of covering him yet when mm-hmm. it expired and what you mentioned Todd Sinclair and Bobby Cruz was still with Ring of Honor then too so uh, and the crowd just wanted five more minutes they were chanting for a long time five more minutes right even as they were walking up the ramp they still were chanting it hopeful but uh they weren't going to get that. So Joe actually left the ring first, even though yeah. he was champion, and Punk got to be with his home crowd, and mm-hmm. the crowd was chanting, thank you, Punk. Again, these two Ring of Honor matches, this one and the one we're about to talk about with Colt Cabana, the thing that stands out the most, not just the match, it's the crowd and how thankful they are. Of course, both were in, in Chicago. Chicago yeah. So, of course, that's a great wrestling crowd no matter what. And, and of course, Punk's one of their second city saints uh, one of the sons that is beloved from chicago so it makes sense but the crowd reaction to me is like a gem yeah it's it's the greatest part of the match absolutely so let's get to that other match and again it was in chicago and it was cm punk's farewell match in ring of honor uh you got the date on that which is i don't have the date on that actually it's a two out of three oh. falls match, which traditionally is not my favorite type of match. But in this case, it worked. It's the standard. Someone gets a fall. The other one gets a pin. The other, like, they right. got to break the tie. That's how two out of three falls always are. But it's okay. Whatever. But um, I, I love right off the bat CM Punk coming to the ring. And you can see he's got tears in his eyes. He's like crying. He, he's emotional from the get-go right after they run his, his video package. He doesn't just have tears in his eyes. He's legit full-on crying. Right. For a long time. I mean, his entrance was extra long because, again, they they ran a video package which kind of showed him and his history with Colt leading up into this match. Also, a random note, he's coming out to the ring to AFI, Mm -hmm. which I love AFI. Me too. Such a nice little touch. Great song. I almost like it better than... Cult of Personality? Much better, yeah. I think the AFI suits him so much better, but of course... WWE can't just use AFI, I guess, but I think it suits him honestly much better. But people love they're both good. They're both good. I I would take either that AFI song definitely fits him though. It does fit him like with the video package. It was just perfect. And again, like I said just a minute ago, the crowd is like one of the most special parts of this match. And so when they introduce Punk and he gets in the ring, it's extra special because it's his last match and because it's against a foe that he's so familiar with, a person that he's been tied with forever, Colt Cabana. So I think that added some specialness to it but the streamers going into the ring when Mm -hmm. punk was was announced just incredible amount of streamers really cool visual right right that was one of my favorite parts of the match and the match hadn't even begun at that point right and so you know you mentioned it it's a guy colt banna he's been tied with you know both from chicago uh so it was appropriate that that was kind of his farewell match and of course now we know that they're not on the best of terms but at the time It was really special for both of them. They hugged before the match, and they also hugged after the match. But there was a really great part in the match where uh, Colt's doing his standard comedy wrestling. There's a comedy bit in the match where he's trying to get CM Punk to look up. He goes, look up. Oh, yeah. Look up. And CM Punk's like, no, no. (laughs) He's like, come on, look up. And he's like, no. And then um, I think he goes, okay, well, look down. And Punk does look down, and... 
Colt stomps his foot. Stomps <laughs> his foot. And then he's like, ow. And then Punk says, be serious. Once he recovers, he basically scolds Colt for being too comedic, not serious enough. Be serious. That's one of my favorite parts of the match as well. Just that one line, be serious. Punk low blows Cabana kind of for revenge for that little trick he mm-hmm. pulled. I really, I like the beginning because it felt a little fast. That was good because two out of three falls sometimes can drag. Punk ended up getting the first fall uh, using a Colt 45 to Cabana. And then uh, Cabana gets the second fall after a Lariat, not long after that. And again, it comes down to the third fall like most of these matches do. I really like that Colt Cabana does his standard little strut where it's like a, almost like a Ric Flair type right. strut. But it's way more exaggerated and totally comedic it fits colt to a t later in the match punk mocks this colt on like the ring apron he mo- not this colt he mocks the strut that colt did on the ring apron it's great and totally classic punk i feel like the kind of instead of the crying punk that we got at the beginning of the match we're seeing the uh kind of all business punk yeah the smart aleck mm-hmm. kind of nasty punk i exactly. like that punk so it, it was uh it was a good finish, and uh, Colt ends up getting the victory. Of course, because Punk was leaving. Right. And and then the entire locker room comes out, which led to just kind of a really cool moment. They Instead of toasting him with champagne, they toast him with Pepsi in champagne glasses. It's great. <laughs> and they pour Pepsi all over him, just like, like a champagne toast <laughs> or like a Gatorade bath. It's perfect. It's like... And then Joe has some nice words to say mm-hmm. about him again because they had that amazing trilogy. It, and remember the one part Joe's kind of in the corner and you can tell Joe's crying. Yeah. Which you, like, you can't picture Samoa Joe ever crying about anything. So no. it was almost kind of jarring to see him being emotional. It was incredible. Again, like, more so than the match itself, it was all these reactions and little moments that I think is definitely worth checking out this match for. You've got to find it. I mean, it's easy to find. You just search for... Colt versus CM Punk, Punk's farewell match. I can tweet out the actual date and name because I do have it somewhere from when we watched it. We watched it, I think we watched it on YouTube. Yeah, uh, one was on Reddit, I think, and one was on YouTube. Reddit, the Punk versus Joe 2 match was super hard to find. That was on Reddit, and I'll tweet that out too, just so people have access to it. After we release the pod, a few hours later, I'll tweet out both links so people could find it easier. So some fun stuff, getting a chance to look at CM Punk back in PWG and Ring of Honor. And you alluded to it, and this is going to transition into a little Ring of Honor discussion. That was like the golden age of Ring of Honor. And then... A lot of those guys left. But guess what? Ring of Honor came back, right? Yeah, I mean, they had the Young Bucks. People (laughs) think they're some of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And so now the Young Bucks have left, and people are are hypercritical of Ring of Honor right now. And we're going to have a little extended discussion about that. And I, I would just start out by saying what I just said. It always comes back. There's Guys leave. There's a new wave of talent. I felt the same way about NXT when they started promoting a lot of the guys that, wow, how is NXT going to be still a, a good show? You give them the platform and good talent is going to rise. The cream rises to the top, right? Yes. So for people that are being negative about Ring of Honor right now, just remember Ring of Honor was able to replace Samoa Joe. CM Punk. CM Punk. Brian Danielson, also known as Daniel Bryan. Tyler Black, a.k.a. Seth Rollins. Right. Who's the WWE champ right now? Nigel McGuinness. You yes. Know? So this sky is falling mentality about Ring of Honor, I just, 
I don't get it. <laughs> They're questioning some of the booking decisions. We're going to read some people's comments in a few minutes, but um, some people are just making fun of it. Like, oh, a typical Ring of Honor. I see tons of tweets about this all the time. People just kind of making fun of Ring of Honor for spoiling things on Twitter when it comes to their partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like they did. I will say they kind of jumped the gun with announcing Jeff Cobb versus Osprey mm-hmm. while Osprey was still involved in the New Japan Cup. Right. So it kind of spoiled that he was not going to win the tournament. But we all knew he wasn't going to anyway. But again, people tweeting out, typical Ring of Honor. Right. But it wasn't just that. It just kept getting worse and worse, and especially after G1 Supercard with the... Uh, the street fight match, including Bully Ray and Juice and a whole bunch of other people. People didn't like that match. They were criticizing it. Then the beautiful people come, and they don't like that either. Neither do I, to be honest with you. But then the Enzo and Cass stuff, lots of scrutiny on that, too. Well, and look, some of the uh, criticism is warranted. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying everything Ring of Honor does is gold. You know, they make mistakes. We're critical of them on, on our show uh, on some of the stuff they do. And first and foremost is the way they do TV. But... I, I think the, the the harsh criticism now to me is over the top. It is over the top, and if you talk about us being critical, I mean, I totally bashed Enzo and Cass showing up if mm-hmm. that was part of the program, which it seems like now that it was. And uh, I was really hoping that they wouldn't full-time work with them, and luckily it kind of seems like they're not from what right. news sites are reporting. But if you can believe that's the accurate truth i hope it is because i don't want them working with enzo and cast and i think a lot of people were going to kind of give up on ring of honor if they did just because it feels cheap so uh i mean like like tomatonga said like garbage you know, <laughs> you know they're, they're just they're terrible they're killing the business so people people don't want to be involved with them and i understand that so we were critical about that so let's just preface our whole discussion with we're okay with being critical as long as it's constructive, but a lot of the tweets I've been seeing aren't constructive. They're just like, oh, it's it's not good. It's terrible. Well, it's not terrible. There's still a lot of great wrestling, and yes, that's something that's, that's been the same since 2003 and four. like when we were just talking about those CM Punk matches. You still have great matches, and we saw some at Masters of the Craft. Well, and look, they've got Bandito, who to me is one of the most exciting young talents in all of wrestling. The dude is 24, so... Give it time. Give them time to uh, develop things. Guys. You know, you mentioned Masters of the Craft, which uh, unfortunately we haven't gotten completely through. We're going to hopefully get through it this weekend. But, yeah, give Ring of Honor time. They're, they're going to they're gonna reload. They're gonna, you know, they'll have the next wave of talent. It'll be fine. So on Twitter, after seeing all these negative tweets, it's not just from one person. It's just a lot of tweets I've been seeing the past few months, especially kind of a – a concentration of these tweets after G1 Supercard. Since then, it's been, you know, here and there, touch and go. I've seen quite a few. So I put out on Twitter, seen lots of peeps making fun of Ring of Honor or bashing it, saying New Japan shouldn't be associated with them. But think of all the good Ring of Honor has done, not just the negatives. Also remember where the Young Bucks came from. If you love the Young Bucks, Ring of Honor is a big part of who they are and what they've been able to do. And the reason I added that part in is because a lot of these people bashing Ring of Honor are so pro-AEW. I can't even imagine how you could support AEW fully and abandon Ring of Honor if you truly respect the Young Bucks. That's where they came from. That's part of who they are. I don't even know if there'd be an all-in without Ring of Honor. Absolutely. Because Ring of Honor gave them their blessing. They could have shut it down. Now, I'm not saying it's a one-way street. No. Definitely it was a two-way street right. because Ring of Honor got the 
The eyeballs. The Bucks. Yeah. I mean, in the eyeballs. I mean, the Bucks are prominent talent right. to have in the forefront of any promotion. So, of course, they benefited from their association with the Bucks. But the Bucks technically had a contract that said that they couldn't do something like that. But Ring of Honor not only let them, but helped them do yeah, it. Yeah, gave, gave them talent to work with. So, lots of people responded. Most of them were positive responses, which I liked. So, at Metallica... T84. Ring of Honor's loyal fan base also reminds me of original ECW. G1 Supercard was pretty good, questionable at times, but they bounced back with Masters of the Craft, which was like night and day, two different shows. So again, all the criticism of G1 Supercard, which I didn't think was that bad. I enjoyed the whole show. So me, me too. I don't really know why people are so down on it, but I guess watching it at home is a little different. But again, Masters of the Craft, for those who didn't like G1 Supercard, they might not know that Masters of the Craft was really good, because a lot of those people are pro-New Japan. So the people making the criticisms didn't see the bouncing back, didn't see the great quality of matches, etc. Our good friends at Smart to Death, I like ROH, and their live shows are quite good. The majority of the reason I enjoy ROH is because experiencing the product live is a lot of fun, but the booking right now is confusing, and if rumors are true, the people gaining influence brought in people fans don't really want. They go on to say, I do think New Japan should tread lightly. If that rumor is true, the product could go really poorly really quickly. For all of the crap Delirious gets, I'd rather see his booking than more of Enzo and Cass and Allure stuff showing up. I think fans are worried ROH is becoming WWE. And then I responded and said, I understand being worried. I'm not saying it isn't warranted because I didn't like the Enzo Cass thing or Allure. I'd hate to see them become more like WWE. I love the wrestling style there and the live shows too. Some poor booking choices for sure, but I still have hope and faith. Not giving up on them. They have ba- they have bounced back so many times. As you and I have referenced, after losing talent, they come right back and still have great quality matches. Smart to Death continues on. They have bounced back and I still will watch. My patience is a lot better with Ring of Honor than it is for Impact. I think that's an interesting comment. Uh, the people bashing Ring of Honor right now didn't watch Ring of Honor 17 or Masters of the Craft. Sure, their stuff was a flop at MSG, which I don't really completely agree with that. So, so they said, sure, their stuff was a flop at MSG other than the title match. But WWE had mostly flop pay-per-views in 2018, and people are still fine with the product. ROH deserves support for being the champions of bringing the next era of great wrestling stars to us. Maybe Flip Gordon, Rush or I'm sorry, Rouge. I'm used to saying Rush because of that either or I did, the band Rush. So maybe Flip Gordon, Rouge, Cobb, or Bandito is the next Seth Rollins, you know? Great points there, and I really agree with the Impact thing. For some reason, I have a lot more patience with Ring of Honor. Impact, I feel like the storytelling isn't as strong in Impact, and the wrestling is good, but still not as strong as Ring of Honor. Let's go back to uh, another comment from at Metallic T84. Been a fan of ROH since 2004. I've seen plenty of ups and downs for the company. I remember when the biggest complaint about them was their production. They have made tons of superstars we see in WWE today. In my opinion, part of New Japan's getting their foot in the States was through ROH. I knew about them in the 90s in passing, but never paid attention until Ring of Honor. And I think that's a really good and valid point. And, you know, someone, I don't have the uh, the actual tweet in front of me. I forgot to screen capture it. But someone had a wonderful point and said that Sinclair 
was the main reason they were able to run MSG. Mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful point because uh, Sinclair had a lot of influence, and they needed that influence because WWE at one point was pressuring to try to get MSG not to let Ring of Honor and New Japan run the show at Madison Square Garden. So, to me, Sinclair had enough pull to be like, come on, we need to run the show there. And they have like a, a strong viewership base in that part of the country. So that's why I think the show at MSG and Sinclair the relationship Sinclair, Ring of Honor, of course, that worked really well. So I think New Japan actually benefited from that in the end. We've got another comment at The Real Grizzle. This is what happens in competitions. Sides are taken. Social media wrestling fans seem to forget that when WCW was in full swing, it was called the Monday Night Wars. If AEW has any staying power, Ring of Honor, WWE, Impact, they're all direct competition. Then we've got at Sensei, underscore Dave Bear. I like the fact that both companies are working together. He, of course, means ROH New Japan. It exposes different talent that normally wouldn't have the opportunity to work together. It also gave me exposure to some of my favorites that have come up to be big stars. Punk, Samoa Joe, Dragon, AJ Styles, Cesaro. Very good point there. Uh, next one is from at Joshua Claudel 85 Love ROH. They just need to fill up the roster again like they have for many years, which we've just talked about. AEW just delivered a big hit. As I referenced in the beginning, if you love the Bucks, I mean, why not still support the company they came from that helped mold them? Not only the Bucks, but if you look at the top roster of AEW, they're all Ring of Honor people. Mm-hmm. You know, SCU, Ring of Honor guys. I mean, the the roster is filled with post or past ring of honor people so mm-hmm. to me it's like it only makes sense to support the company that has just as many good wrestlers still there I as agree. aew has now uh next one is from at liger bomb 82 also i'm a massive fan of the elite and what they are doing but if roh have the sense they will use those gaps at the top of the card to elevate some new stars they have done that so well in the past, and there's no reason they can't do it again. Yes, and he goes on to say more. In terms of the New Japan connection, yes, they probably don't need the Ring of Honor connection anymore, given that they had the better side of the card at MSG. But now it's not so much about ROH elevating New Japan in the U.S. It's more about letting fans see Japanese stars they may not otherwise get to see live. So again, the Ring of Honor exposure in terms of New Japan using Ring of Honor to show Japanese stars off to the Western audience. Which we're going to see in War of the Worlds, a tour through the Midwest where G.O.D. is going to be there and some other New Japan stars that, you know, people normally wouldn't get to see uh, in person, a chance to see them in the States, and that only happens because of Ring of Honor. And then uh, Liger Bomb 82 continues, but hey, that's my just my two cents. I barely care about the politics of it all. Just want to watch wrestling, haha. <laughs> when ROH is still giving phenomenal matches like the Bandito Flip Karstico Black match that was at Masters of the Craft, I'm not going to complain, and neither are we. Then we've got at the voice of WOW, and this is the actual voice of Women of Wrestling, who was weighing in on this discussion. He says, Ring of Honor has built up so much equity and goodwill with fans that they're nowhere near dissolving it. Missteps are a given for a company going on two decades old. No one is perfect throughout 20 years. They're doing very well, and I think they have a lot to offer going forward, and I totally agree. And there's a lot more back and forth with him and I and with uh, another person who jumped in. So I said to him, totally agree with you, love ROH, really think they're doing well, which is why I don't understand all the tweets putting down Ring of Honor that I've been seeing lately. I think they have and have always had a ton to offer. 
then at the voice of wow continues on and says i think when people look back at ring of honor in a macro sense this isn't the period of joe punk and danielson on top matt taven won't be remembered as an all-time great but i'm certain this will bridge us to the next great era in ring of honor and this will all be a pleasant memory then we've got someone else who jumped into the convo and that is uh, at mitch xxvi ROH should be worried about maybe one day losing the New Japan partnership to AEW. They've grown a little too dependent on it. And WWE's Fox deal resulting in their show no longer airing on Sinclair Fox affiliated stations. One bad angle at MSG isn't going to turn away their audience. And then uh, the voice of WOW counters by saying, uh, while those are concerns, the recent signings by, by ROH have proven that they don't need to rely on New Japan. Also, I hope Sinclair continues to pursue better television opportunities for Ring of Honor in the future. As far as I see it, Sinclair is the biggest thing holding back ROH. So then at Mitch XXVI pipes in again and kind of confirms what he means by Sinclair holding the back, uh, or kind of, I guess, infers what the voice of wow might mean agreed entirely on sinclair for them ring of honor is a petty investment requiring minimal funding and making decent returns they've shown no desire to try and grow the company if they had aew probably would never have been founded and again they go back and forth more about television uh kind of deals television specifics and i kind of like that because we're in tv so i find that to be interesting if you want to see more of their back and forth go to my twitter at super kicking it scroll down on my profile and find that tweet where i talk about don't know why all these tweets about ring of honor are so negative then you'll see one of the comments is their back and forth and it's very interesting all right we got a couple more to get to let's go to our good friend zachary shiloh at zach shy 130 i think some of our friends aren't specifically roh fans they were more so a new japan crowd what irked them goes beyond the stupefied g's and former beautiful people they felt the stench of wwe the show went too long they wanted to see why new japan partnered with uh, ring of honor partnered with ring of honor right. yeah and i don't think they saw the reason why. That's what he's kind of arguing. But I don't think it was too long. It didn't feel too long to me at all. That's what was crazy. I mean, New Japan shows are just as long sometimes. So I find that odd because that's kind of more of a New Japan thing than a Ring of Honor thing. Usually New Japan shows are like five hours. But <laughs> I see Zach's point. Like, maybe people are seeing it's kind of WWE-like. But I just don't think any of it was that bad. I can excuse the... Well, I don't really like the beautiful people at all, but I can excuse the Enzo and casting a little, as long as they're not working with them extendedly, like, which thank goodness they aren't, but I don't know, I just, uh, Zach loves Ring of Honor and New Japan, so I know he kind of is explaining what other people are upset about, Right. so I totally understand, and he has some qualms with the company too sometimes, and I totally understand that there are things to be upset about, but overall, I do love the company. Then we've got someone who's kind of critical at... Tyson Arnold 97. It's time New Japan moves on, though. The thought of any of the elite back in New Japan or a talent exchange with Okada, Naito, Abushi, White, or Osprey is far too great for AEW to pass up on. It's also huge for New Japan because of the fact that it would get massive exposure for them to get people to sign on to New Japan World. I totally disagree with this. He's saying that they should dissolve, you know, the partnership. There's nothing they can get at all from Ring of Honor. That's what he said. I said, AEW isn't the only company with great talent. The majority of those guys that are, are in AEW came from Ring of Honor. New Japan has a lot to gain from still being partnered with Ring of Honor, specifically Briscoes, Cobb, Bandito, and more. 
And also, of course, Bully versus Suzuki. Yes, please. Honestly, New Japan is growing and is doing quite fine without the elite, which is actually true. And then Larry at Larry B three nine six zero says, "Ditto Bully versus Suzuki." And our final one is from at Luis Barunda Jr. Also, where so many countless wrestlers got their starts as well. They have developed many big stars in WWE and other organizations. So, you know, I'm sure Ring of Honor doesn't want to be considered a a launching off point for careers. They want to be on their own. But the truth is they, they have launched some great careers and they will continue to do so. And that's what I think is great about Ring of Honor. So instead of just focusing on the negatives, which there are negatives, I feel like people should kind of appreciate the great wrestling that we get to see because Ring of Honor exists. I don't know if there would be the CM Punk we knew without Ring of Honor. He wouldn't have been the performer he was without being in Ring of Honor before going to WWE. So to me, yes, it's okay to be critical as long as you're constructive. And that's a key part, constructive criticism not just criticism for right. the sake of criticism and um i just think also keep the positives in mind too yep because well, we do that with wwe we just talk negatives and positives right right i mean look wwe's not doing everything right and look new japan is a, a different animal in that they they are doing a lot of things right but you know there's even things we're critical like the the naito ibushi like we just said so you know, you, you can find criticisms of everything, but when it comes to Ring of Honor, you know, I'm a loyal watcher of Ring of Honor. I have been for a long time, and I'm going to keep watching it. And I'm excited to see the development. of. I think we're in such an instant success time now where we want stars. It's going to take a little time, but you see the stars that are there. Like, I think Shane Taylor is a star. Underrated. He is so amazing. And he his personality is growing more and more. You know, we mentioned Bandito. You know, Taven, I think, is an outstanding wrestler. Lots of people don't like him, but his character work is on point. I don't know how they don't like the work he's put in. So give it time. And, uh, yes, maybe there's not a, a, a golden age of CM Punk and, and AJ Styles and, and Brian Danielson. Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe. But, you know. There will be another class of good wrestlers coming up the pipeline. I have no doubt about that, and that's why I'm sticking with Ring of Honor. I always will. Another good show? Yep. Let's uh, close out the show and send them home. Yep. We, uh, you want to promote uh, some more sh- shows coming up on your uh, on your Super Kicking It? At the beginning of the show, I promoted the either-or I just did where I pitted NSYNC versus Rush, not Roosh, Rush. In fact, we had a joke about somebody who said, don't you mean Roosh, this guy? And they tagged the wrestler Roosh instead of the band Rush. So I thought that was a fun answer. But again, look at my Twitter at SuperKickingIt with a G. Also my YouTube, SuperKickingIt with Kelsey, K-E-L-S-I. Because another part of the discussion that I didn't kind of advertise in the beginning was I pitted Mark Henry against Artie from Pete and Pete as a little bonus part of the episode. I talked about who really was the strongest man in the world, because if you watch Pete and Pete, Artie was always saying that he was the strongest man in the world. I referenced that a little bit. I pitted him against Mark Henry and said, who really is the strongest? So if you want to see what I said and what other people had to say, check that out. Also, I just looked at my Twitter and saw a really funny comment from our friend, also who works with Wrestling Inc., Glenn. 
Glenn said, I mean, Russia's good and all, but do they have a song, Digital Get Down? Tom Sawyer's got nothing on that, so I'm sure he really means Russia's better, but I think that's a funny comment nonetheless. I didn't get to read that in my show, but check out the show, and also, the next week's show, it'll be another either-or, and it's Goodfellas or Godfather. I love both. Which one will I choose over the other? It's a difficult decision. Two of the greatest films of all time, and I've got to pick one over the other. And when we come back next week on Two-Face Wrestling Talk, we will uh, discuss the fallout from the Crockett Cup, more of New Japan's Road to Dontaku, and uh, more WWE talk, I'm sure, as we head down the road towards the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. I think they said next week the participants in each of the Money in the Bank matches will be released, so we'll talk about that as well, and much more of your uh, feedback as well. Yep, all that coming up, but our talk for today is actually at its end. It's at the close, and we really appreciate the time you've given us today and the time you give us every week. If you're longtime listeners or viewers, if you're watching us on YouTube, we really appreciate it. It means so much to us. That's it for us for now. That's the finish. That's the finish.